Hey, this is Danielle Harris, and when I'm not combing the swamps for killers, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And remember, genius, 500 feet. in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that would travel far and wide for a basket full of chicken with the biscuits and with the gravy. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we continue our lark into laughter as our celebration of horror comedies takes us into the Honey Island Swamp as we talk Adam Green's Hatchet 2. And you don't have to be cursed to listen into our show Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your Honey Island Swamp Hole. (laughs) And you can follow our swampy shenanigans on social media. Uh, We are on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is indeed on the Book of Face where we have an event tab, which now again leads to... Shenanigans! Cyber Shenanigans! And uh, ultimately, as this episode is going to be releasing on Friday, May 8th, the very next night on Saturday, May 9th, we are going to be hosting our third Shutter Shoutout double feature. Yup. This is going to be fun. Keeping in theme with this month. Absolutely. We are going to be tackling two horror comedies on Shudder. But ultimately, all of this comes from a number of things, uh, the events tab. Mm-hmm. Uh, first and foremost... Admittedly, the thing that the thing we missed most out of all of this uh, is the fact that we're no longer really able to uh, worship in the church that is the theater. Yeah, we're not able to go to the show anymore, and it's bumming us out. And then not to be with our fellow parishioners. Right, right. And like, it's also, you know, it, it's it, 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 we're at the church sometimes, but we're also the ones like leading the hymns. There's a small part of me, I'm not going to lie, that does miss indeed hosting a lot of the movies. I miss hosting, because like hosting was not only like um, something that I like to do, but it was like my main social. That's just it. Um, Admittedly, as someone that is a socially awkward introvert, I realized that when we host, that is kind of my form of interaction. Yeah. And when that was taken away, I was like, damn, I'm not really interacting a lot. But the show must go on. And we found a way. We realized that if we can't be in the theater with you all, we're going to come into your home. Is Tam right there? <laughs> you just happen to be home. So <laughs> there is a way to get that home viewing experience. And when I say the home viewing and the experience, we're talking about a customized pre-show, mm-hmm. trailer reel for each film we talk about. A little bit of yakety smackety from us beforehand. A customized introduction and then ultimately a conversation afterwards all under the guise of a Shutter shout-out because we're very much staying on brand. Mm-hmm. Now, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, in enjoying and joining, it's actually very simple to do. All you need to do is become a member of the Screenland film family, and you can do this at patreon.com slash screenland, and you will not only have access then to our Shutter shout-outs, but a number and just some really, really good content. Mm-hmm. We've got, uh, there are there's a number of podcasts, watch parties there's all sorts there's a virtual cinema all sorts of cool stuff and you can actually go screenlandonline.com and you can rent a number of films uh to help support them 
one of the highlights ultimately, if you need a, a recommendation, I know they are showing Extraordinary. I still got to catch that one. That's one I want to watch. I highly recommend it. It's a, a perfect tie to Screenland because it was part of Panic Fest. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those films that really played well. Yeah. had just really good word of mouth. I've heard nothing but good things about this movie. So we'll see. It's also a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Which plays perfectly within, you know, the theme of this month. Uh, but there are a number of films that you can rent through there. But ultimately, you know, not only do you have access to that, but you are truly helping out our film family, mm-hmm. which is the biggest thing. Uh, so again, if you can pro- help out at all, patreon.com slash Screenland. And while you're in the helping mood, <laughs> if, if you feel so inclined, if you ha- can't get enough of us two assholes, there's more. We got more for you. India. Yeah. Well, I was going to try to just talk about, you know, film family and Patreon, but, you know. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one bad on we'll film. Every, every family has that one family member that just comes in, cusses, and starts yelling and shit. You are the yin to my yang, my friend. But, like, you know, no drama. Let's just have fun. Like, hey, he wants to party. Well, here in the month of May, we are indeed launching our first month of exclusive Patreon content Mm -hmm. that you can access at patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. Be a Patreon belly. And we have everything from a uh, squiddly diddly to another time. Another place. Uh, Lots of content, ultimately, and... I believe the first uh, bit of episodes that went out was a new, newly released film. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts on it played at Panic Fest, and might as well let you know what it is, and if that entices you ultimately, because it ultimately is a <laughs> if, uh, it, if it whets your appetite, and it's a better pill to bit, better bitter, bitter pill to swallow. Bitter, better, it doesn't matter. Well, see, the Betty's better butter made the butter better bitter, but if Betty had better butter, her batter would be better and not bitter. Uh, I've gone cross-eyed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was a long way to get to the film Swallow. Swallow. <laughs> so if you'd like to hear our thoughts, and ultimately, I should say, divisive thoughts, yeah. check that out over at, again, patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead. And also, if you start at a squiddly diddly, one of the little uh, perks of being a Patreon pally is a little bit of a shout-out. Mm-hmm. And as we gave a shout-out to Jesse last episode as we kicked off Giggle Mortis... Uh, the the person we're shouting out here, it's kind of... It, it's fucking rad. It, well, it's, again, the transition and what has happened with us because of the podcast, kind of the journey we've gone on. Uh, one of the things that we do here in town is this is going to be our sixth year of hosting a horror marathon that yeah. we put on at and Screenland Tapcade. It's the sixth year for Nerdoween, Nerdoween, Nerdoween. It's the sixth for Nerdoween. Hail oh, hail Satan. Satan. <laughs> well, I guess we've given it up already. <laughs> the cat is out of the bag, skinned and ready as a sacrifice. No, this is something we've done now for six years. And every year at that point, we've we've screened three horror films. And from the get-go, our whole gimmick is we don't reveal the lineup until the night we screen. Mm-hmm. Surprise. But we, as we just gave away there, we always give... We a always, theme. A theme and a clue. Now, given it that this is the sixth year we were doing it, six, 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 all hail Satan. Mm-hmm. We won't be nude for this because we are. We're both getting we don't old. Want to entice you yes. too. We don't want to like shun. Well, we we always show up in costume ultimately, and I was thinking, well, if we're doing satanic films, I'm getting older, and I'm definitely not what I used to be. I could totally be an extra in one of those, you know, satanic films if they need creepy old, <laughs> creepy old naked, naked guys. People just leery. <laughs> now again, now ooh. This is where we need to try to find some slim, good body suits. There we go. 
<laughs> or just like paint them on like like in uh part like manhattan ultimately it'd be something you wouldn't want to see on hbo's real sex because one thing dude i have not slim good body i'm like fat bad body <laughs> well i only mention this because they've been nice enough for the let us host that at screenland tapcade for six years now and the first year we put this on um i don't know about you but i was beyond nervous Mm -hmm. because number one you don't know you want to make sure everything runs properly uh number two you don't you hope people show up yeah uh you know you hope you i you hope your friends show up you know ideally but there's always that chance maybe they have something else going on and the night launches our theme do you remember the theme yeah, it was demons. And and we weren't very creative or very, you know, um, ambiguous on the theme. It was just like, there was no, like, puzzle about it. it was, but the lineup was fucking rad, though. The lineup was one, was wonderful. Do you, again, um, we it kicked was, things we, off. We kicked things off with Night of the Demons. Then we went into Baba's Demons. Mm-hmm. Then we went into Demon Knight. Reverse that. We kicked things off with oh, demons. That's right. We had we had the Linnea Quigley sandwich. sandwich. Uh-huh. Ew, sorry. Sorry. That went too creeps and nostalgia there. but i played wonderfully but ultimately again the biggest fear i had was people showing up so not only did a lot of our friends show up but ultimately there were a lot of people that i had no idea who they were and that's one of the biggest shocks for me is when we put on something then someone shows up that we don't know right that's always like oh hey somebody new hey hey and again i'm not suspicious (laughs) but i'm like well hey this is our first time doing it i'm wondering how people heard of it Again, I've prefaced the fact that I am a socially awkward introvert, but when we host things, I try to be more engaging ultimately. So I'm going up to some of the people that I don't realize faces, and I come up to this young lady, and I'm like, hey, how are you doing? Blah, 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 Greg. And again, try not to be awkward, but I was like, how did you hear of the the marathon? Who sent you? (laughs) Again, I didn't have him under a a grill, a light or anything, (laughs) but she mentioned, hey, I heard it on the podcast. And I'm like, oh, wait, okay, so number one, I don't know who this person is. Number two, they listen to the podcast. And that, again, even to this day, if someone comes up to us, it's especially if it's a stranger. It's surprising. It's a wonderful surprise. But we're like, oh, oh, you actually listen. That's awesome. <laughs> again, a small listenership. And it guarantees a lot of our friends, God love them, that love podcasts, won't listen to us because they get enough of us in real life as it is. I understand that. So, again, it's always a surprise. And so I was like, oh my God, you listened to the show, great. Again, probably went to some like self-deprecating apology. I'm sorry for genius, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> but I was like, so um, who, who are you? <laughs> Again, it was probably really awkward, but um, it turned out it was someone that had been following us on Twitter uh, by the Twitter handle of Dark Humor Girl. Mm-hmm. And from that first nerd a little Julie came into our life. Uh, Julie Holland, shout out here. Who We are all the better for it. Beyond that, because from there to the monthly podcast live one we do from Nerds and Nostalgia, mm-hmm. we started seeing Julie and her friends, and then ultimately we were then introduced to her husband Rob, and then it became Julie and it be- the Hollands ultimately, and a beyond rad couple. Mm-hmm. But and you can listen actually, you can hear Julie on a lot of a few of our live Nerd and Nerds and Nostalgia episodes, especially a special shout out. We both have a true love of just one of the guys, which again, that was a great screening and another shout out to uh, Julie and Rob. They helped be, they were those guys with us on our PCU screening. That's right. So again, from like the very first inklings of the stuff that we've been able to do through Screenland, they have consistently been 
fucking awesome. Beyond a presence. And another special shout out here to Julie. Not only is she a kick-ass crocheter, ultimately, yeah, but in the midst of all the chaos in the quarantine, she wrote just this wonderful little handwritten note just talking about, hey, how you doing? Man, watched uh, watched The Stand, uh, watched... Uh, uh, had a nightmare about cabin fever and all this stuff. It's just this handwritten note, which was so wonderful and sweet. So the fact that not only that is she's also then helping out, truly being part of the film family by being that Patreon pally, mm-hmm. as she speaks, it just, thank you, Julie. Yeah. And I should say this also, they've legitimately, being part of the film family, they've been at my home. They've been in the backyard and been to a legit movie night at my house. You know, again, that ex- that shutter shout out experience, all that. Imagine that in the backyard, right? <laughs> with, with 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 nature. I get. I cannot wait to go back to Walden. I yeah. cannot wait to ultimately see Julie and Rob in person again, whether it be at Screenland, whether it be at the Draft House, but again, worshiping in the the cathedral that is the theater. You guys are amazingly awesome, and seriously, thank you. Yeah, thank you for being a friend. Mm-hmm. Traveling back down the road and back again. <laughs> We could go on, but if you want to get a Patreon shout out again, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead number of tiers for you. Check it out. Patreon ballets. Oh, well, you know what? I'm ultimately, as we are recording this, we're in the midst still of the pandemic. Um, I'm really glad we decided to focus on horror comedies. Yeah. Yeah. This is the right time and place for them. I've needed the laughter so much mm-hmm. and we kicked off a move the month of Giggle Mortis with a just an obvious choice. Again, a delicious one, you know, low hanging fruit. Yeah. Uh, but Shaun of the Dead is ultimately kind of an homage and love letter to both George A. Romero and just zombies in just general. The zombie movie, the genre, zombie genre. A no brainer, if you will. Correct. <laughs> but that's uh. that's not or Romero though. I know. <laughs> that's a thank you. Choke on him. It's fu- I mentioned that because the film we're focusing on here this evening is also an homage and a love letter to me to 80s horror mm-hmm. and horror comedies. For me, that is a no-brainer. And I mentioned that because when we were off mic, you you asked me a question. You're like, what, what did you ask? Do you remember? I was like, do you think we should defend our choice for Hatchet 2 being a, a proper horror comedy in our horror comedy? And I immediately... But I agree it's a horror comedy, but... I think there might be some, like, not purists, but people who... Because this movie is definitely, I think, is more horror than comedy. And I think people might see more into the horror than the comedy. But I think it's hilarious. I, I'm And I will argue... I have an interesting take on where the comedy ultimately comes from, mm-hmm. from this film. But I was I, it kind of shook me for a second because, for me, this is kind of an obvious no-brainer horror comedy. This one, I think, fits perfectly with Shaun of the Dead. This one to me fits perfectly with like Return of the Living Dead in that right. zombie genre, perfectly with American Werewolf in London. I agree, but I mean I think like some people when they think of horror comedies, they think of more of the slapsticky inside or the ones that are more of comedic side with you more find... more jokes per minute. Okay, so the focus then ultimately cuz I okay, I get that. Cuz this is more horror. I mean, when Victor Crowley there's not the jokes per minute, but there's a jokes peppered throughout. But the kills themselves are, are so so over the top and hilarious. That adds to me to that slapsticky element. Yeah. And my argument does come from that the comedy does come from the kills. Mm-hmm. 
so much of the fact that I've got an entire list that we are going to go through. Oh yeah, with the the comedic kills. I mean, just the characters in general. And I think maybe I think maybe I'm a little bit tainted because we just got finished off a naked gun. And the whole Zabram, Abrams kick. Oh, yeah. Oh, Because yeah. I've been doing the karaoke for a little bit, like recently. Can you Let imagine? Me do, do the karaoke. Well, actually, I'm just now imagining the siren going through the Honey Island Swamp. Like Norbert gets taken out by like Victor Crowley. Well, let's go back to the Honey Island Swamp then. Uh, but, but this is we... totally comedy. I mean, I'm not saying this ain't comedy. This this movie's fucking great. But we'll we'll figure out then ultimately where it belongs in terms of that subgenre, and that's mm-hmm. what's crazy is the fact that you even have subgenres yeah. within subgenres, yeah. it, not necessarily de- justifying its appearance, but kind of making sure it is proper. Um, but I kind of wanted to figure out your history with this franchise mm-hmm. because we're talking about a sequel, and there are four ultimately in spawn two more sequels after that. Um, do you remember kind of your first interaction with uh, Victor Crowley, The Honey Island Swamp? I I rented it from Blockbuster. Nice. I rented okay, the half, so. first hatchet from Blockbuster. It was one of my free rentals because I was working there at the time. So again, utilizing every every bit that you can. Oh hell yeah! Take right? Hell yeah! And so because all we saw was the trailer on like. Back in Honey Island Swamp, something crazy happened, blah, blah, blah. And the trailer looked fucking dope. Old school American horror. And I'm like, well, I'm ready for that. <laughs> and so I put it on, and this it was great. It was yeah. fantastic. And so when then I heard uh, Hatchet 2 was coming out, I was there day one when it was coming out on video, or DVD, again, at Blockbuster. So I was ready to go, right? Now, it wasn't, and I didn't see my first Hatchet movie in the theater until part three. But by then, I was raring to go. I was raring to go. You were part of the Hatchet fan club. Oh, yeah. The Hatchet, Hatchet Army. Army. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I love these movies. The whole series is grand. And it's kind of incredible what was created, what started ultimately as a camp tale mm-hmm. from, an eight, I believe, an eight-year-old Adam Green and became ultimately alive on the celluloid yeah which is phenomenal uh that is the thing ultimately that the fact that it started from such humble beginnings and then was ultimately comes again it comes to life it's so kind of cool but the one thing that it definitely spawned and i think the reason that it still exists as a franchise is the creation of a an icon in horror oh yeah i mean i definitely think he's a new generation icon i mean especially with the, the hardcore horror crowds uh when you say victor crowley i'm like fuck yeah i mean i'm guarantee you there's tons of tattoos of victor crowley of course i think he got in the pantheon of the big league especially now that he's at four movies deep and i think now i think if you tell norm if you show a picture of normies of jason they'll know but if you show a picture of victor crowley they'll be like i don't know jason too you know and what's great is you mentioned jason and the fact that i think victor crowley has done so well is the fact that he is portrayed by the great kane hodder absolutely yeah he brings life to that movie and especially in part two especially in part two and i think think that's one reason why i don't find like necessarily hardcore in the comedy vein you know there's an interesting not a pacing it's but it's a pathos i think that's happening yeah. in lieu of the comedy but he's um, always been a fan of the monsters so it makes sense and again that wonderful connection though they may not recognize uh, uh victor crowley you know they recognize uh, jason Voorhees, but the fact that kane hodder is that connective tissue mm-hmm. makes it all the much better gives it the character gravitas yeah um credibility just all of those things. And again, the fact that Kane Hodder is part of that collaboration to make such an a 
a very memorable character. Oh, yeah, definitely. One that pulls you off the screen. And again, because he's so violent and he oh. has pathos and he is genuinely funny. His kills are very humorous. Well, the kills themselves, I think, lend themselves to another feature of the franchise that I really enjoy. And that's the use of practical effects. Absolutely. Absolutely. The practical effects, even when it's a joke, are wonderful. It plays more into that, and it's, what's wonderful, though, is the fact that, speaking of pedigree, you uh, have a you know a presence with Kane Hodder, with Victor Crowley, and in the first film, for the practical effects, they brought on FX legend and the late, great John Carl Beekler. Mm-hmm. And then, ultimately, in part two, he shows up but as, as the man who's rowing the boat and drinking piss. And I love the fact, okay, that he finds the camera from the guy in part one. Oh, the, oh, the man. Fact, he's like, what do we got here? And then it's still the two girls are still like yelling at each other. The fact that it's like, one thing I love about this movie that it's the same day. It starts right when the second one. We'll, we'll get to that as well. Stopped. It is, it, there's so many weird and interesting things with this again kind of the the weird connective tissue and everything. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they literally handed off the effects work to Robert Pentegrast after, from the franchise on. So again, wonderful practical effects work. And as you said, this movie, this franchise is fun. Yeah, it is a blast to watch. That's ultimately why we're talking about a film that we kind of did an honorable mention in the Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. Mm-hmm. We were originally going to have an all Adam Green um, first round entry, right? It was going to be Frozen versus Hatchet too, but we like we kind of blew our we, shot with her hen and ladder hoe down, which I still stand to this day. I still think we made the right choice, but <coughs> but, but don't worry, different time, another place. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> no, uh, I think part two is probably easily my favorite of the franchise. And I, I it really very obviously, and my answer is going to change anytime you ask me. But I've always probably favored the first one a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of it comes to the fact that's the first one I saw. I did reverse engineer this from the Movie Crypt podcast into almost everything, um, but also the fact that they have these great character actors in the first film. Again, oh, yeah. not that the second one, second one is phenomenal, but just Richard Kind, uh, you just uh, you've got uh, the the Murray brother. So many wonderful things. The effects work are just jaw ripping. Ultimately, Bri- uh, what was Brian Doyle? No, what was his name? R- Rick- Joel Murray. Joel Murray, and then what was it? Um, Rig, um, the guy that's always playing like this, the one that him and his wife got their head miraculously oh, ripped yes. off. Yeah, no, Richard Kind. Ri- oh, that's right. No, no, Richard Keel. Richard Keel. Richard Keel, Keel, Keel. That's Richard. right. Richard Kind's the guy from Spin City with the mouth that talks like this. Yes. That's why I was like, that wasn't him. Like, Because I, mean, I had that dude pictured in my head. Finkel, Einhorn, Finkel. Right. Kind, Keel, Kind, Keel. <laughs> no, but I love that guy. That's actually, part two is my favorite. Uh, of the franchise, but I think the head rip in part one, the human Pez dispenser, it's... that was my favorite kill. But part two, I, something about part two, and I think it's because it is so funny. Yeah, it it, it becomes again. You mentioned it. It is so funny. Um, what's not funny is the battle that Adam Green had with the MPAA throughout the creation of Hatchet One and Two. In fact, um, if you go back to again, one of the reasons we love. The, the filmmaker so much and Adam Green just as a person he's very open with everything mm-hmm. uh, and the, the bottom the his experience was don't take them on it's like they're ultimately going to win but there was so much cut out of Hatchet Hatchet 2 uh, 
there's a reason why people weren't able to see it in the theater, especially Hatchet 2, because of the MPA. It's a very interesting history that has gone on with that. I highly recommend going to Aeriscope, uh, aeriscope.com through YouTube. Again, throughout the, the quarantine, Adam has just been very open with everything, just providing entertainment, not only that's you know entertaining, but educating as well. And he's providing content with like the entirety of the Hatchet series, and it you, gives you some eye-opening things yeah. of what they went through with everything. So was it kind of like uh, Friday 7? Well, they had they said all the, the battles they had with the first one, um, they originally, the intent was to make the second film direct to video. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, someone said, hey, no, 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 we've got this thing with AMC, and they're going to put together this exclusive like programming series where you can, they're going to show unrated movies, and we're going to show Hatchet 2 unrated. Mm. So like, cool, we're going to get the theatrical release, we don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, uh, like a week before, MPA hits them hard, because they, ha- they have to put it through there anyway. Yeah. And they're like, you can't talk about the unrated, they kind of killed all the promotion, and then ultimately, they pulled the film, the movie from the theaters after like one round of screens like that's it that's horse shit it was it's really rough that's why we can't have nice things man but again to hear that experience and everything again realizing that anything that you see on the big screen is a miracle yeah and all the things that have to go right for a film to work you realize just the blood and guts that people put into the film that you see on On screen screen. yeah and and outside of that but i mean I, that's why I appreciate, I think, him so much is the fact that he is so open with everything like that. And he shows that it's not everything that people dream it to be mm-hmm. for the most part. You, you see the reality of modern filmmaking. Yeah. It's it's pretty incredible. Huh. Um, but what he puts on the screen is just fantastic. This movie, like I said earlier, going earlier, the fact that it starts right when the first movie ends is something that I've always appreciated in in movies, especially because like time jumps and the... I just wanted to, the fact that the story's continuing, I don't need to know what happened for a month. Tell me what's happening now, you know? Well, it, 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 it kind of harkens back to Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just in terms of the direct continuation. And that's the one thing, the original Hatchet is there is that abrupt ending. And you're just like, wait, wait. You know, mm-hmm. you feel like Buster Rhymes, you're like, give me some more. You know, just like. <laughs> but imagine going into Hatchet 2, especially like if you were lucky enough to see it on that initial run and you had never seen the first one, because it immediately, it immediately starts with Victor Crowley, like, engaged. Like, right up in your face. Like, the first thing you see is like, So, because at least with the Friday the 13th films, you always got the, like, the previously on Friday the 13th. Exactly. He was Here, His name was Jason. Right? Just, you get the Benny Hill shenanigans. Uh-huh. Here, no. no. We're going to just go right into just it. Drop you right into the fire. Blip. So not only do they do that, but then they also give, in something that could potentially make or break the film, but you have a uh, an actor change of a character. Mm-hmm. Like the main actor. And aside from the villain. Aside, oh, well, of course, of course. But that is something that can ultimately hurt the film. But it doesn't hurt when you bring in, again, a genre icon. Danielle Harris. Ah, Danielle Harris. She kills it in this role. But to see her go after Kane Hodder or, as, as Victor Crowley, because <laughs> she's like four and a half feet tall and he's like eight feet tall so it's like <laughs> i appreciate kind of the uh the just it's just in terms of again the symmetry involved with all that uh but her turn her turn as mary beth ultimately what i love with this film is the fact that she is reacting and processing mm-hmm. all the trauma 
that went on in that first film. Because when you have a direct continuation, there is no time lapse, as you right. said. We are going that same very that very night, and we're seeing what happens when she finally gets away from Victor Crowley. And you know what I even love even more? That she wants to go back and fuck him up? She she needs closure, but we go from that great kind of cold opening into a uh, wonderful use of Ministry's Just One Fix. And as a metalhead, someone that appreciates industrial metal, that's a nice little transition. Yeah. And then and the next person you see is another genre icon, icon with Tony Todd as Reverend Voodoo. Getting a more, such more substantial role because mm-hmm. he does show up in the first film. Yeah. Almost like a brief An extended cameo. cameo. But then this time he gets a full-on role and an arc. He's the narrative device of the entirety of this film. The world they build in part two can, usually when sequels try and expand their world can really make or break a movie, I think this one does it just right. Well, the, let's talk a little bit about kind of the supposed rules of the sequel. If we're going to quote Randy a la Scream 2, is number one, I always, they, they, you have to have like a larger body count. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, God. Absolutely. I, I think that was one of their goals, ultimately. And then the other one is, I think the death and the, the death piece, set pieces, have to be more grand. Yeah. Which I think we definitely up that as well. Oh, yeah. Because there are moments in this movie that uh, were jaw-dropping, jaw-ripping on screen, uh-huh. but had me going, ooh, the moments of laughter, like my argument with the horror comedy is there are some cringe comedy moments in this movie mm-hmm. where I had to remind myself, it's okay to laugh, Greg. It's okay to laugh. Yeah. Uh, for example, one set piece, I guess, is the fucking till tonight we'll make love to where the, you like <laughs> the copulation kills, right? The coitus kills. Oh, that made me go, damn. Yeah. Damn. Because not only is do you get the visual references of everything, but, but the sound design, the like and, and the baby Jesus mutterings. Do you also, love me more than baby Jesus? And uh, they're just like, um, yes. The movie's ridiculous. It, it's so funny. And then, but it's mean too, because after that's funny kill, he he goes. Very mean, very all, mean kill. All of the kills in this movie, but they are mean. And when we when we mention like mean movies, they can be totally tonally off. But right. this one, they are mean. But there's you mentioned goof. They're not goofy. They they're totally goofy. They are geysers of blood. This is not meant to be taken no. seriously. No, absolutely not. Even though everybody's playing it straight, and the story is well, pretty straightforward. No. And it's a proper good horror slasher. When we say they're not playing, it's the kills aren't straight. It's not like, you know, um, it's not, a, again, the naked gun type of kill. Almost. It's almost like like gushers of blood. No, there are moments. Well, let's go. We can go to the copulation kill ultimately because it, it plays like something you'd see in a Zucker Abrams film. <laughs> from the fucking is this? Number one, it's A.J. Bowen mm-hmm. getting decapitated. And there is such a great mix of old school and new school horror in this film, which I love. Just a wonderful melting pot. But from the decapitation, because, again, we're going to get very frank. (laughs) Can I be frank? (laughs) Only if I can still be genius, right? (laughs) But from the decapitation as they're having sex, and then the natural body spasms of a decapitated head, (laughs) it plays... That is so dirty! Yeah, it is. It's, It's... but it's so funny. It's just, I I felt guilty laughing. Me too. I was like, I shouldn't be laughing at this. Because then she turns around and just like, whoop, just what, like, a, like a goddamn croquet mallet. 
and it's a two-parter as well because then the comic beat comes from the fact that he can't get that it's stuck like uh, uh, uh. and then again the prestige with the off the the blood splat there okay we're gonna go through the kills where we might we've started with that one the one i want to um start with is the one ultimately the dual chainsaw nope 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 i'm gonna start with Kind of the the main the first Victor Crowley kill officially, okay. and that is the late great John Carl Beekler being decapitated. Another decapitation via head popped off by, by ripping his-, his own intestines out and choking him until his head just just pops off like a goddamn popped up. And what a way to send off your original effects worker from the first film to hand off again to Robert Pendergrass, the new guy doing the effects. And hey, we'll kill you off in a great creative way as well. Mm-hmm. It's just such a fun kill. And like I said, it's such a nice little way of handing them the the literal guts of the film. The guts and the glory. Um, throw out another one. You, okay, the, the, the double chainsaw. chainsaw. The du- oh my god! It's um, I'd like to think that Mandy paid homage to Hatchet Two with this one. I was thinking the same thing during this rewatch. I was like, mm-hmm. Because my brother Klopek. Yoked up, uh, like yoked up Walter Frey. Exactly. I saw him six times. No, that's I missed him. Like my Walter Frey and my Loomis. It happens. Yeah. It happens. Cross contamination ultimately. But this one, it's truly a sight gag. Mm-hmm. I mean, the introduction of said chainsaw. It's it's almost like plays like a spaceballs gag, where you see the the ship and it just keeps going. And go. It's almost like a Simpsons rake gag. Yeah, because it's just like, like, but you see bumper stickers and shit on them. Saw is family. Uh-huh. Like multiple times. Swamp is family. Saw is extended family. I, <laughs> I, I break for Honey Island Swamp tour buses. But then the way the the kill is set up is it gives a, and it's one of those horrible, in fact, uh, ch- the chainsaw death in The Running Man. When Arnold takes out Buzzsaw, because yeah. <laughs> he goes from basically, I guess, groin to gullet, ultimately. Uh-huh. Slices them in half, two people at a time. At the same time. Yeah. But I love the great payoff with the splits. Mm-hmm. The bifabrication. Oh, Plus, such a great, great old school practical gore effect. But they killed like my two favorite characters in the movie, and we'll get to them. Okay, do you, we'll do characters after the yeah, kills. Yeah, we'll do the characters after the kills. It's, it's the anti-kill by kill podcast here. Now, the second one I want to mention is the one that was heavily edited by the MPAA, and it's the moment that I was like, oh, the comedy does come from the kills. And again, speaking of the Simpsons rake gag, I don't know if Sideshow Bob stepped on 30 rakes or if he didn't, but I can tell you that the kill where uh, Victor Crowley just mashes in that guy, oh yeah, 30 times, 30 times. 30 times, just whap, 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 whap. Where it's funny, it's not funny. And then it's funny again. Then it becomes absurd and not funny. And enough times, by the 30th whack, it's funny. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, that's funny or absurd, ultimately. Um, but the MPAA cut it down to three whacks, which, if you think about it, makes it a little bit more mean. Yeah, it's a point, point, point. Then because of dead, the, the heightened the, level of everything. 30 whacks makes it, again, like you said, funny. Because, like, okay... One whack will get the job done. Three whacks is excessive. Four whacks is mean. Thirty whacks is absurdly funny. You're you're in like nirvana. You've reached enlightenment at that point. Tragedy plus time is comedy, but this time is times. Um, one of my favorite kills is the inside out, kind of shunting. 
are we talking about uh, the Reverend, Reverend Zombie? Yeah, spoilers. But oh like, no no no! Again, this is yeah. celebrating ten years of horror. When they pull his by the spine out, and they just he just turns him inside out and just throws the meat sack on the side. I was like, God damn, that is a meat fucking kill! It was glorious. I I totally forgot about that kill because it had been a while since I had watched this one. Again, mm-hmm. I prefer had the first hatchet, so that's the one. If I'm in a hatchet mood, I usually go to. This is my go-to. The first thought came to my mind, again, I'm a huge Buffy fan. Do you remember that moment when Willow went bad? Mm-hmm. And she skinned the member of the nerds. She's like, bored now. <laughs> Something a la Hellraiser. I didn't, I forgot. That was so shocking to me. Crowley wept. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, the fact that they're killing off all of our favorite horror character actors. Right? No one is safe. Because so far they've got they've killed off uh, in the movie they killed uh, Tom Holland they killed a Leatherface they killed uh, they just <laughs> killed Candyman candy man. you know so they, no. say say his name five times see if he returns ultimately mm-hmm. you know what did return the Sander yeah yes and he comes up in part three that's like his second signature weapon it's uh, yeah Jason has his machete. Freddy. Freddy has his. <laughs> Do the Crowley. Daddy. <laughs> would it be more of a Kentucky two step? It would have to be a little bit more backwoods. <laughs> yeah, no, like, Square dancing. Yeah, there he is. There he is. <laughs> it, it totally works. Uh, it was nice to see that one because that Swamp is. dancing. It's, it's such an absurd item. But it is just so unique. And the fact that it's 50 fucking years old, but it still runs like a champ to go through bone and like flesh and shit. American horror, American made, my friend, right? <laughs> right. That's your, that can be a total argument on that. <laughs> um, but the fact, though, that it's Perry Shen getting killed again yeah. because he has multiple appearances throughout, multiple b- brothers. Another, ins- another running joke. Which is so wonderful. And again, the wonderful connective tissue, how mm-hmm. everything works through there. But the reveal of said Sander with the reveal of the brain, so gnarly. Yeah, it is. So gnarly yeah, is. and nasty, yeah, but still funny. It still works in a, an exploitive, funny way. I don't know if I'd laugh. I didn't laugh at that one. I was, Well, at the reveal, I was like, ooh. But at the same time, that was one of the characters I didn't want to go. That's yeah. the thing about this yeah. movie, and I think that's why it's like not like hysterical to me, is because some of the characters that I want to stay don't. I mean, that's, mo- that's, mo- that's in a lot of horror movies. Sure. But at the same time, it's like, Ooh, why him? Or like, why like that? Or And then another reason is because you hear the backstory of this. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of serious moments too. Perfect segue, because if a good sequel can deepen the mythology mm-hmm. and give you a little bit more insight, and that's truly what this film does. And I think that's what maybe for you takes away a little bit of the horror, because the Victor Crowley origin story, it's just tragic. It's it all get out. It is heartbreaking. It was bad enough in the first one where he's like a misunderstood figure. Now he's a ghost doomed to live that night over again. Yes. That in itself, man, that's kind of fucked up, you know? Well, I realize also this kind of plays like how uh, The Godfather 2 plays where you get the origin of uh, of uh, Vin. V- v- uh, of, uh, oh, my God. Don Don, Don Corleone, Corleone, Vito Corleone there. Why couldn't I not? <laughs> but it plays, you get the uh, the origin of Victor Crowley while then we hear how Mary Beth was truly tied to it with, you know, her, the inclusion of her father. So you get all that deep in mythology, mm-hmm. but it's not funny. No. You know, it, it's there's nothing funny about the origin of Victor Crowley. No, it is sad. It is sad. And you're like, oh, man. And Kane Hodder doing a good job at acting as Victor Crowley's dad. So good to see him out of suit. And getting a chance to flex his uh, his acting chops, cry, but, 
but also he was crying and have sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, because he was crying after sex. So it was just well, like and that's that the thing. made him so vulnerable. You're used to seeing him as like Jason and fucking Victor Crowley, but he just like had a breakdown right now, and then he gets cursed. And you realize it makes the whole thing. He's a vulnerable person. You know, he was flawed. Yes. Did he do wrong? Absolutely. Was it deserving of a curse? Who knows? But then that's what happens with Victor Crowley, and yeah. he raises him. Uh, the first death, technically, the first kill of the film is Victor Crowley's mom. Uh, another kind of cool thing is that he is of, um, you know, of he's got technically how is the pro- political correct way to say it? Mixed parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is awesome. I love it. And again. Not a big deal. No. Which is the other great thing about it. That's that's not the emphasis of Victor Crowley. No, exactly. Yeah, that's not the... There's other fish to fry than his background. So, like... <laughs> well, you know, quite honestly, though, you could always look at the fact that there's a stigma involved in uh-huh. that, especially maybe at that time as well. So I'm not saying there's deeper meaning attached to it, but no. ultimately you can look at... This again, the repercussions of that effect. Hell, and it now, adds to the mythos in 2020. That's like a, a potentially taboo, which is like, are, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, that is just not possible. It's so bizarre. Yeah. It's so bizarre. But again, adds to the mythology. Uh, does it take away from the film ultimately because we are spending no. so much time learning about the villain of no, the piece? No, I don't think so. I think it adds to the mythology because if we, you feel pathos for. Victor Crowley and why he's doing his revenge, and okay. it only makes sense that it would ne- take um, somebody to who was directly involved into the said uh, shenanigans that caused him to die to be take responsibility. Okay, so, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's just one of those. There's so many different elements of the story, and the fact that Reverend uh, Zombie, hit the whole his whole motiva- motivation. Is to, to clear the swamp so he can make more money, mm-hmm. and he's got an, a, an idea, a philosophy, a theory, ultimately on how to rid this repeating ghost. And so then he calls in a whole bunch of great Which, character actors. And oh my, some of my goodness! Favorite. I'll I, tell you what. I have a list mm-hmm, because it is it's a wonderful collection again of the old school and new school of horror and genre. Uh, go ahead. Do you have yours pulled up there? Mm-hmm. Okay, go for it. My favorite character in this whole movie is Vernon, played by Colton Dunn. Chicken and a biscuit and the biscuit with the chicken and the gravy for the biscuit with the chicken and the biscuit and the chicken is me. (laughs) Ridiculous. I I fell in love with that song and that goddamn movie the first time I heard that. My ears perked up. He improvised it on set because apparently they were trying to get to see if they had um, public domain rights for some sort of song. And they were like, this is going to be the backup, so just make up whatever you have. And it was just, it played exactly like that. that, that, And that's one of the things people remember. And it it adds to the comedy element. But then you, then again, correspond that with all the tragedy that's going on it the balance is a little not it's rough ultimately because i love that moment it's mm-hmm. so good um, like he's an asshole he's not a good well, person he's, he's no. not a good person but he's hilarious he's so funny and like the, him and the silent guy when like he's like they're just little banter back and forth yeah i like that well, um, let's see here. So showing up on the new school side, we've got uh, A.J. Bowen, mm-hmm. as we mentioned before. Uh, Dave Parker showing yeah. up. Uh, Mike Mendez, 
also showing up here as well. Get the fuck out of town. Who is Mike Mendel? Let me see. He's, me... He's, he's one of the members of the hunting crew, ultimately. Oh, wonderful. Yes. And uh, you, we mentioned uh, the convent on Into the Mouth of March Madness. So mm-hmm. again, you've got elements all over, uh, including, again, a co-host of the movie Crypt, Joe Lynch, who has another one of the great kills, the jaw-dropping Dr. Tongue homage, yep. I believe. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. It's just uh, I love how they have a montage of killing. I mean, because in montages, mostly people are getting ready and gearing up. Nah, there's a montage of some of the most gnarliest, vomiting inducing, eyeball gouging, wonderful kills. The kill, the comedy is in the kills mm-hmm. and also in the characters as well. Yeah, ultimately. But see, that's the thing. So is the pathos. It draws that line of being like hardcore horror and like funny shenanigans. But it's a fun ride, a fun fucking ride. Well, I guess ultimately maybe it's then the balance itself worked better for me in the first film because I was in I cared more for the characters in this one they ultimately felt more disposable. Yeah, because the they were part. going out like you're waiting for them to die and looking for them to die in wonderful ways. Except except for Mary Beth Dunson. You don't ever want to see anything bad happen to Daniel Harris. Not at fucking all. Daniel Harris. No, well, and she's part of the old school mm-hmm. of characters that we get in here including the aforementioned Tony Todd. Mm-hmm. Voodoo magic. His interplay when he's doing his whole spiel is ridiculous. Can I have a cookie? Give the man a cookie. Milk, milk, milk. What what good is cookies if not for dunking? You know, and just like... (laughs) There's humor in that. Again, from the kills to the characters, it's wonderful in the interplay. But it's so funny. If you ever listen to how Tony Todd works is he really gets involved in the characters. But they'll say when he's working like on a set... He'll explore the entirety of the set. He'll pick up objects and try to incorporate them. And I'd like to think when he's doing his old spiel that he's exploring the room and getting a feel for everyone. Because he's doing the whole like spells and stuff. But you know what else? It's like some of the attention to details. Because you know, in that scene, in that scene, I love that scene. There's two like huge Easter eggs. The fir- okay. The first one that I love is when he goes. Who's this Victor Crowley? Ah, oh, some local legend. You know, Will, we got a local legend too down in Glen Echo of a le- guy named Leslie Vernon. Yes. And I was like, yes, they live in the same universe, you know? That opened my whole mind up to like the Adam Green cinematic universe. And then it was justified because in the background of In Reverend Zombie Shop, they're talking to the girl from Frozen. They're like, yes. so are you going to sue Mount Holliston for this? And it's like, I'm going to take them for every goddamn penny they have, you know? And the me, best- and, me and my dog. And I was like, oh. yes! And so like... The best part, the connective tissue is uh, it's underneath the ground and the marrow, and y- right? Yep. Yeah. Right. You know what? Because Victor Crowley, I'm, I, he could probably live in the marrow. He could probably could if he wasn't a fucking murderer. Machine. You don't need the MCU. You need the the AGU. Cinem- yeah, the Adam Green universe. There. The Aeroscope verse. Aeroscope verse. Absolutely, and that's the beauty of it. Um, speaking of someone that you would find in the Arrowverse, there is one of my kind of welcome ca- characters here, but the uncle played by Tom Holland. Yeah, who Tom Holland? You're like ah, very familiar. Uh, obviously, writer director, Fright Night, mm-hmm. Child's Play, huge in horror, but also has that very Uncle Feel, even if spoiler alert, technically yeah. he's not really her uncle. Oops, more more of an Uncle Red potentially. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> but that's the only thing missing was Gary Busey there. But in lieu of Gary Busey, we do get the Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three, mm-hmm. uh, R. A. Mayloff. 
just a monster of a guy. He was going toe to toe with Kane, and that's, that's a great scene. That's the great thing about like those scenes, and like especially Adam Green, some of the things he does. He's like you want to see hypothetical who would win in a fight between Jason and Leatherface, and he gives that to you. Like in part three, you're like, okay, who would win, new Jason or old Jason? And he gives that to you, you know. And that's what I love to see: this Jason versus Leatherface for a brief second, and fucking Ra was. Going to town, dude. He was giving uh, Victor Crowley a brief run for his money. It was nice to see because it does ultimately show that Victor Crowley, even though technically, as we eventually learn throughout, is this repeating ghost that no matter what you do, ultimately he's going to come back. It does show that for a brief second or two, mm-hmm. you can stave off your eventual death. Yeah, but he almost pulled a like Manhattan with like, ah, what you got? But his death was glorious, and it ended with a joke too. That's uh, that's the last one on my kill list. Ultimately, <laughs> is it? It is. Is totally that boot stomp. Um, oh. It's it's and it does with the blinking. Yeah, it, it, but it's so gnarly and nasty and real looking because it is practical. Mm-hmm. It's in camera. This this is a, t- a total love letter to all the things that we loved with eighty slashers. But yeah. like you said, it is a horror comedy. So he wants this wants this to be able to play with the fright nights with the American werewolves in London. Yeah, where, but. Uh, where so no nah, no we'll, we'll we'll get to that I'm trying to go through all my list here Lloyd Kaufman showing, showing up. up in there as well one of the last ones one of the hunters uh, <laughs> it's 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 ridiculous you know just how good this one is um, I think I've gone through most of my talking points ultimately mm-hmm. um, final thoughts potentially on Hatchet Two ha- I'm telling you Hatchet Two is one of my f- it is my favorite in the franchise I think it goes Hatchet Two Victor Crowley Hatchet One Hatchet Three but that's not saying that I don't love them all I Certainly. mean like when we had the Hatchet Three One Two Three marathon it was glorious and seeing Victor Crowley twice in the theater was amazing it was amazing I've had a wonderful journey with Victor Crowley and the denizens of the Haunted Island swamp mm-hmm. um the fact that there's an there is truly an extended universe thanks to i survivor the book that yeah. he wrote yeah um and there might be a potential for another victor crowley interesting louis way again spoilers alert for a film that but the end of victor crowley does lend itself to such a wonderful a wonderful moment to experience with a crowd oh, yeah. you know people that truly appreciate this film oh, yeah. uh, just in terms of where it comes from and when you, the more you learn about the process of the friend it's so funny if you go to like the behind the scenes uh look of the first film they're so excited there's they're just oh we're making a movie we're bringing something to life you get to the second behind the scenes they're like ah oh, we're making a movie you know and by the third you know just, just the journey that the toll it takes ultimately on yeah. people that are providing for us so i would you know we talked about patreon i'm a member of the movie crypt patreon if you want a chance to truly give back to some wonderful filmmakers that have provided so much for us, please. F- and honestly, you get great content in return. Again, anything with Patreon for the most part, the more you give, the more you should be getting back. And I honestly, I kind of modeled ours after theirs just in terms of content. Um, I'm a proud member of Patreon for Movie Crypt, for Screenland, for 3B, our friends folks over there, uh, nice. the, the record room, and um, and we hate movies. And I'm very proud to be able to give to them because they've given a lot to me, yeah. you know, and they've got me through these things, laughing most of them ultimately. Mm-hmm. So I think ultimately Hatchet 2 is appropriate in Giggle Mortis. Oh, absolutely. I will defend it to this day with a large chainsaw or an old school hatchet. Or a belt sander. Oh, if we're, if we're going old school to let me, but you know, I know that this is probably what people associate Adam Green with with the most. With the Hatchet series? Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked about 
our last Shutter shout-out double feature we did celebrating the movie Crypt, uh, but we talked about kind of the diversity of Adam Green. If you throw in Frozen. Mm-hmm. Digging of the Marrow, Spiral, Spiral, Grace, all bunch he's... of stuff. He's got all over, all sorts of different types. Uh, all different types of horror, but they're all interesting and they're all so unique. And so like this, his old school 80s icon, I think he hit the nail on the head with this one. Well, and it's funny. We talked about how Shaun of the Dead was very much a love letter to George A. Romero. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the story uh, where Adam was talking with Romero at a convention? Oh, yeah. And it was his whole thing where he didn't want to do anything more with Victor Crowley and Hatchet. And Romero was like, no, you got to understand. You've created something that these people... They love, they deserve. Do it for the fans. Do it for the fans. Mm -hmm. And and it's like, this is Romero. This is George A. Romero telling you this. Having and they had that private moment, and it was just it, it meant a lot to. And again, I know this because he shared it. Yeah, he was willing to open up and share these moments. Just the vulnerability, all that stuff is so appreciated mm-hmm. as a socially awkward introvert that has been in quarantine. So again, my thanks to just being who they are. Yeah, Adam Green, um, Ariscope, um, Sarah Elbert, uh, Will Barrett, all the folks behind there, the interns, Arwen, of course, you know, oh, just Arwen. Everything that exists within the Hatchet franchise, and it's just, it's been a fun ride. If we get no more Victor Crowley, I'm totally good with it. If we, yeah, if we get no more, I am 100% down with that, but I am hoping and fingers crossed because, you know, we didn't know there was Victor Crowley coming anyway, so we never know when Victor Crowley 2, Hatchet 5, will drop, you know? Electric Swampaloo or something along those lines. Yeah. I'll I'll be, I'll be on that trip. I'll be on that trip. You know, honestly, at this point... I'm a true blue, true blue believer. My bias is shown. Uh, I dig what Adam Green is putting down. So see, I'll do anything. I'll do a lot of stuff, and I'll watch that movie at any time. But I don't know if I could do what they did when they had the uh, you go into a swamp on a swamp boat and watch that movie in there. So, yeah, I don't know if I could do that, man. Because one's going into a swamp. Yeah, that's like breaking that's, all your rules. That's like asking for it. You know what I'm saying? Going into a swamp to see a movie about a killer who lives in the swamp. Now, it sounds cool on paper. It sounds super cool on paper. But I know that as soon as I go, fucking something's going to happen. Not Victor Crowley. Someone, like, someone's seen uh, the, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon too exactly, many times. Exactly. There's going to be like Cropsy just waiting. Like, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. Just waiting. You know? <laughs> oh, that patience. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, you know what? I, it's, I'm glad it has been a while for me to watch this and experience it again because it made it that much better. Um, again, I'm a, 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 Welcome inclusion into Giggle Mortis. Yeah. So seek it out, um, regardless how you rank them. And again, I'm going to rank it. I'll go, oh, goodness. I'm going to go one, two, four, and three. And yeah. again, it's nothing against the third one. Yeah. I, I love the fact that Caroline Williams, and we get more mythology. This is where ultimately we find about the repeater aspect, right. which I love that. It makes so much sense ultimately. Yeah, and, it, and it puts him down for, for a good 10 years. Yeah, until we come back again. Um, well, speaking of coming back again, next our next episode is again is going to be uh, an entry into horror comedy, Giggle Mortis. We've got a few on decks. So we're not going to say which one it is, Mm-mm. but again, hit us up online. Tell us your favorite horror comedy. And again, if you'd like a little customized shout out or more content, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmare junkhead. So until the next time, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. Daddy. <laughs> <laughs>